0: Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group.
1: That song is uh, from a David Crosby album. Uh, It was called, If I Could Only Remember My Name, and... I'm going to do a little bit of musicians that I grew up with. The next, the next bump will be something from Jimmy Buffett. Everybody's done a lot of Jimmy Buffett songs lately, but this is one that's a little more obscure. But this David Crosby song, this was like right after. I'm not sure Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Young actually broke up, but they began – there was infighting and so people began to kind of do some of their own albums steven stills did one and david crosby did one and um the album's called if i can only remember my name and pictures of them (laughs) doing the album (laughs) shows them lighting up joints and i mean they was he was pretty screwed up the whole album despite that he was the the musical effort on that album is pretty incredible um and the the harmonies uh it it wasn't quite the same as as with the Crosby stills because they don't have Graham Nash in there, which is you know Graham Nash comes from the Hollies well you know the Hollies that was all harmony uh look through any window. I mean, and those are the, as I look back on what I like and what I don't like, and I'm not going to say I don't like it. I'm going to say what I'm attracted to and what I'm not attracted to, it's the the things that have harmonies. And uh, nitty-gritty dirt band, harmony, simpler kind of harmony, but it's nonetheless harmonious. The Beatles, huge harmonic stuff. And what I attribute that to is uh, my childhood. uh, When I was eight years old, I started uh, singing in the uh, Christ Church. It wasn't a cathedral at that time. uh, Men and Boys Choir here in Lexington. And uh, it was, you know, English choir music. And uh, there was four parts to it. So bass, alto tenor soprano. Or they didn't call it soprano. It's called a treble with a, a boy, but it's a, it's the upper line. But it, uh, you know, that really affected uh, my musical um, sensibilities. That's another reason why I ended up liking bluegrass because you had the, the harmony aspect to it. So uh, it's just something that. I grew up with and uh it is something that is has affected me for a, a long time
2: so it's kind of my deal and i mean you're talking about the harmonies in there i mean it's almost like a gregorian chant when it starts that off. song kind of is but it, it's um even the the guitars in the background it's it's the harmony of the guitars is sounding like right. the vocals um yeah, it's just it's
1: Well, David Crosby complex. was uh, he sung on a lot of other people's stuff, like Phil Collins. He and Phil Collins big really? buddies. Yeah. He uh, he sang on that uh, Melissa Etheridge. She she was uh, <laughs> I think he was the sperm donor for her child. <laughs> yeah. I and 70 that. other. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but but, but quite anyway, a few. Yep. He uh, everybody wanted his um, DNA but the the point is uh, yeah he was a little bit a bit of an oddball as a as a human being I don't think he was as bad as Neil Young from what I've heard but you know th- these people have personalities that are not always adjusted to what you would call normal yeah and but the musical part of it is a big part of who I am and uh, there are times when I become disconnected from it and and then there's times when I'm not disconnected from it and you know I remember uh, studying uh, English literature at Suwannee and, and there was one class I took I don't remember what it was might have been Dante and they started talking about medieval philosophy and the medieval people believed that in what's called the music of the spheres. In other words, everything uh, in creation was sort of operating to a harmony. And you know what's interesting? Modern science confirms that that's mm-hmm. the case. Everything that exists kind of has a, um, what's the word, a vibration, a uh, um, it's, it's humming at a certain tone. Um, and, um, uh, you know, you can choose to be, uh, 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 cacophonous and, and, and get out of step with how that deal works, or you can choose to get in harmony with it. So uh, what I would simply say about the way we invest and it, it requires a lot of, uh, um, um, of research um, is that we are attempting to figure out what the tonality of the markets is
3: telling us. What
1: tone is it? That's something they use yeah. a lot. What kind of tone is the market putting off?
3: So, Animal spirits is another term used. Basically, that was a Darsh. Well, it's more than just a, d- yeah. a Darsh. That that was
1: what he, he liked to but talk that,
3: about but when the markets are going up and, it's been on bad news. It's, I mean, sometimes there's this, this kind of the heart of group what, momentum or entrepreneurialism, you know, a FOMO, you know, if of missing out, people are, are climbing into that, but it just, it doesn't necessarily make sense with the, with the news, the headlines and what you think. Are well, the I got, forecast. I got what's
1: called a fear of getting run over by a Mack truck. <laughs>
3: I don't know how you put that
1: one
2: out. All right. So what do we got here? No, it's too, it perfect segue. Um, Talking about you know the tone of the markets, um, you know earlier this year, last year, everything was in disarray because of you know fear of interest rates going up. What's that going to do to the economy? What's that going to do to companies, to the market? Um, this is what's just cutting all the noise out. Is something you've talked a lot about, Tom, is how resilient good companies and good management are over time. You look at what the big companies, uh, well-capitalized uh, companies, have done over the last year. You know, Rising rates, everybody thought it was going to be the end of the world. But actually, these larger companies, they've used it to their advantage. Um, because in, in this article, it was uh, uh, James McIntosh, who writes for the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, I mean, really well, that's good. one of the
1: things we've seen with r- insurance companies. They, they yeah, were sitting right. on float, earning zero Especially the ones that couldn't go longer. Thank God they couldn't go longer. You know the, the, they were sitting in cash. It was making nothing.
2: Yeah. Now it's making five percent. Exactly. Uh, so he, he he uses Microsoft as an example. Um, but it, it, so the companies they fixed their borrowing costs long. So they they issued bonds, long term bonds. So Microsoft it it's paid the exact same interest. 492 million in the latest quarter that it did a year earlier. Right. Um, but on its cash, uh, the annualized rate uh, rose to 3.3 percent from 2.1. So its increase uh, well it, it increased to 905 million that it earned in interest up from 552 million. So Berkshire so Microsoft has about 111 billion in cash. Berkshire Hathaway, they have about $147 billion right now. Um, so these large companies that have this extra cash, they fix their their borrowing rates, lengthen that out, and then the cash that they have, they're earning more on it now. So when you look at uh, the net interest payments, which is basically your interest paid on your debt minus what you're receiving on savings, that's fallen which is the opposite of what normally happens when rising rates because the the ones that are well capitalized they don't have to go out and borrow right now their net cash pot or they have a lot of cash on hand there that's it's benefiting them on well, microsoft
3: it's, just raised their dividend uh, or it was announced earlier this week they're raising their dividend by i think nine or ten percent so they could easily afford to do that if they're getting that big of a jump in their in their increase in keep their in cash. mind though that is not their basic
1: business that that's, that's right that's not what they do is invest money it's going to give them a little bit of a headwind same thing with uh now it is more the basic business of an insurance company mm-hmm. because investment is part of it but the underwriting is even more important and if you you're if you're doing sloppy underwriting it's not going to help you on the uh investment side. You pull in a bunch of premium, you got to pay
2: it all out in claims.
1: That ain't good business.
2: Right. So, but what you've seen, you've seen um, management, again, resiliency. You know, as the markets change, the dynamics change in interest rates and in the environment, management is able to use that as a long-term positive. Uh, Now, what you're seeing right now is uh, uh, from a balance sheet standpoint, the lower percentile companies, they're having a much harder time right now because rates are going up and they're having to borrow money uh, or they're rolling the debt and that's coming due and higher rates and they're having a harder time. So it's it's what you've seen this year in the market. Um, you're, you're, you've seen well-capitalized companies generally outperform the others. Now, but what that does that can give opportunities. Uh, we've, yeah. we've seen it with several in our portfolio where you see, and these are ones that we've added recently, you see the market pricing, you know, so much pressure on a particular sector and a particular company that there comes a point where it's a good deal. Um, you know, valuation wise, and it has a good dividend yield. So you're looking at current yield, current valuations in the market all the time. And as things change, that's when you get opportunities. Um, But on the consumer, um, you've seen something very similar with the consumer. You've got a three and a half percent mortgage. Well, now you're earning on money market now, you know, north of five, or right at 5% on money market. And so the consumer, much like these companies, unless you're going out and borrowing right now, your cost of debt is low with a mortgage. Um, And so it's people think of a company like a person, you know, you, you as an individual, you manage your household finances, same thing like with a company, but with a company, they have even more levers to pull than you do. Um, so it's just the consumer has been resilient, um, and debt servicing as a portion of income has actually been going down. So the consumer is still strong.
3: Well, and when you have, uh, when you're thinking about it the way you would, the, uh, comparing the way a company is run or the decisions the company is making with their money, uh, it should make sense uh, if you understand, I mean, if it's if it's put in broad terms like that. So if you're, you know, you should have a, a higher degree of cash if you're making more money on it and you're not uh, able to redeploy that and, and make that kind of money. Uh, you know, you don't want to have a lot of debt when rates are, have gone up and are at a high levels. And uh, so you can watch how management handles uh, the money that they're entrusted with by the shareholders and see if they're making uh, decisions that make sense when they go out and they buy back shares when the stocks at all-time highs that's not necessarily a good idea to pay pay up for a very expensive company so you know that it would make us question the management's judgment what's the other reason they're doing it. Unless they
1: felt like stock was going to go a lot higher.
3: Well and that's true. We've got to evaluate it. We don't just dismiss it because they're buying it at a high, but it just it's something and that's a good point though that but it's it it just requires further study when you see that because if it doesn't pass the the kind of the initial smell test then then you need to understand what else is going on there. But the same rules that you can use at your household can uh, to manage your
2: household can be applied to picking companies. And what what will change over time? And this is, well, you, you have two things. You have the you have time and the economy. Um, if rates, you know, were to stay where they are now, these companies, you know, the uh, the big companies that I was just talking about. At some point, they're going to have to roll the debt or pay it off. They'll probably roll it. So at some point, that's going to be refinanced. And if rates are stay high, then that would be at a higher rate. But remember, uh, like you said, Tom, these companies—they're producing something. Um, If it's an insurance company, uh, tech company, something that's providing services, whatever it is, that's their core business, and with inflation, um, they're able to pass on those higher costs to the consumer. So their earnings typically what you would see go all else being equal, they're able to pass that on. And so it's dynamic. You might have rates that go up, but then they might their earnings maybe have gone up at the same time. That's why you have to constantly... Go back, reevaluate, test your initial investment thesis in these things because things change, um, and that's that's what we do. Um, we're constantly doing that, um, and we're also doing that not only on the company but in relation to our clients, what their situation is. Right. I mean,
1: a good company has a value proposition that generally won't go away, and it has the ability to, to price itself in ways that um, are uh, responsive to current market conditions. And if that's the case, um, you will see these companies have hiccups but they continue to move forward because, you know, they're well designed. Microsoft, of course, has an unassailable um, moat around its software business. I mean, you could argue that for for several other kinds of companies, and then you got everybody else and those companies have to be watched because sometimes there's a time to buy them and there's a time to sell them. (laughs) That's right. You know, and Warren Buffett understands that because it's interesting. He will, he will buy the stock of other companies, none of which is as good as buying Berkshire Hathaway stock. I mean, he's in love with, uh, uh, Occidental Petroleum, but Occidental Petroleum ain't the company Berkshire is. Mm-hmm. Now, he might argue that Apple is a better company, you know, than Berkshire, but it's a one-trick pony. And now their new phone, the fifteen is yeah. it? It's fifteen hundred. The fifteen stands for fifteen hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm going to run right out and buy one. You have never
0: been an Apple guy Not. anyway.
1: Yeah, I'm going to stick with my Android and be very, very happy with my decision. Um, And that's just me. But, you know, I, I know a lot of people that like all this stuff. You know, there's a lot of Taylor Swift fans out there. Not me. <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, I don't, you don't always have to do what everybody else is doing just to stay up with. It. I mean, you. I know you got a Taylor Swift uh, ringtone on your. I phone. got a tattoo, oh, a Taylor Swift tattoo. You know it. Yeah. I've heard your phone ring. You uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, No, I don't know. It's it's just you got to look at everything a little bit skeptically, and then if you can do that, make your decisions. And you still got to be looking over your shoulder, so there is nothing completely easy about this business. But um,
3: well, you know, Andy Grove, I believe, is the the author of it. But the former Intel leader wrote a book, and the title is "Only the Paranoid Survive." Yeah. And I think that's applicable in the investment business. You have to be questioning: Is my thesis right? Am I, I mean, is it? What am I missing? I mean, you don't don't want to to keep yourself from making a decision about something, but it's important to always be making sure that that, uh, you've made a good decision and and, uh, things haven't changed.
0: Perfect timing. We're on our way out for this segment. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host Tom Dupree. The stock market goes up and down, but good companies endure. If you'd like for us to take a look at your portfolio... Call us at 859 233 You can also schedule an appointment directly on our website on our homepage at dupreefinancial.com. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Financial Hour. Stay tuned.
1: This is Tom Dupree. What do you know about investing? Perhaps what you know is limited to what you hear on CNBC or read in the Wall Street Journal. You might be surprised to learn that investing can be made a lot simpler than you might imagine. At Dupree Financial Group, it's our aim to make the investment process very clear. If you schedule a complimentary appointment with us to review your retirement investment accounts, We'll describe them for you. Call Dupree Financial Group at 859 400 Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturday mornings at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at www.dupreefinancial.com.
4: There's a photo of a genius standing by the ocean In a peacoat and a cool hat in 1943 On a beach in Santa Barbara he's looking quite contented His world is only matter and energy Past the Channel Islands out into the cosmos There are worlds in motion that only he can see He's smiling as he's thinking the harbor lights are blinking He's the smartest cookie ever was, ever will be Einstein was a serpent There really is no doubt Cause the universe was his home break And we're still all paddling out On an iceberg off Newfoundland, a lyric sits half frozen Waiting for a comet to crash into the sea It's drifting towards the tropics and melting into topics Fills the sea with answers that have always worked for me Bass notes from the chasm, it's speeds that we can't fathom Music is the language of the near and distant stars Black holes humming B-flat, heard only by street cats Astronauts in orbit and singers in the bars Einstein was a sailor with a universal song His sails are tight, his course was right So let's just all cruise along
0: Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group.
1: So that's a song you've probably never heard before by Jimmy Buffett. You ever heard that one? No. Um, so Jimmy Buffett, in a really sense, was sort of a philosopher. I mean, and he realized that he could be, play the commercial game which of course he did but uh some of his really uh, interesting songs are are more than uh you know something like fins which really was a mega hit for him and um It's hard to believe that he came from Pascagoula, Mississippi. but And he, he kind of added this Caribbean tilt There's to it. YouTube he liked to sail. and gliding over i tell you a funny story uh, that I just heard the other day. I, I have a cousin lives in Nashville. He's a retired uh, ear, nose, and throat doctor. And he actually went to law school at night, and he's now a lawyer but uh and he's 76 years old five was a guy that another friend of mine knows that's got a big farm there 1300 acres and uh my cousin ronnie was out there one day and they said you want to come go quail hunting which he did they had you know they bring in these uh, hen raised quail from down in south georgia and he said all of a sudden this guy, he sees this guy um, with a little pointer and uh, doing getting ready to go quail hunting. And he looks and he says, I think I've seen that guy before. He says, I want you to meet my friend Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> and this is on this farm outside of Nashville. So evidently he uh, liked to do a lot of really interesting things and kind of made a real career out of it. Now, he was a complete consummate businessman. He was not a guy who ever missed out on a chance to make a dollar. It's pretty obvious.
0: Wasn't big you know, biggest holding, the restaurants?
1: I don't know. But I think that's I right. I have no idea.
0: The Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville Margarita restaurant. The,
1: the, the point that I'm making with this is that he was, he was a philosopher, if you listen to a lot of his early songs, you know, they're not about necessarily hanging out in the Caribbean or what have you. They're, that is something he figured out later on, but it's, it's a little different. And, um, I never really connected with him much. Um, but I respected him. Uh, I wouldn't sit around listening to his songs cause, uh, I had to think too much. They didn't feel like music to me.
0: Sitting by the beach isn't really your style, more or less, or drinking margarita. That is not (laughs) what I would do sitting by the beach. It doesn't make me
1: think about sitting by the beach. You know, it's it's just a style. His music, I felt, was there ultimately uh, to project an image. It wasn't purely music for the sake of music. That's the thing that I, I you know I don't know. I'm not saying it wasn't music, but it was just a different kind of thing. It was it was it was part of a commercial enterprise. You know, the Beatles, they made music and it happened to become commercial. you know, yeah, there, there's people that make music for the sake of making music. There's people who make music to make money. Yep. Bruce Springsteen makes music to make money. I mean and he's never been a guy I cared for. But that's not it's like I you know I'm not the arbiter on all this. It's just how things strike me.
2: Yeah. Well it's is it the the business empire that needs the image that's feeding the music, or is it reverse? Exactly. You know, which way is it going? I go. mean, look at Taylor yeah.
1: Swift. They're telling me that half of her songs now, and and the Rolling Stone and all these people have embraced her because she's kind of a left-wing uh, person now. Uh, so they'll they'll build her up. But that a lot of her music is – essentially getting written by AI. I mean, you know, and, and the, the the girls that pay $500 to go to a, a show don't really care. Yeah. You know, they're there to shake their bottom and be at a Taylor Swift concert and pay a lot of money and get all dressed up. And is that music? I mean, you know, some people think really it is. Um, She's but, a
0: great performer too, though. That's that's kind of her trademark, is she puts on a great show. Not that I've ever been, but so I. Hear. Well,
1: so you're there really for the entertainment. It's kind of like you go to uh, some of these mega churches for the show. But what 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 are we talking about in terms of the content? So if they're I'm, I'm there purely to yep. be entertained, and that's in a lot of areas these days. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't want to be made to think very hard. I simply want to be entertained. And and so 500 bucks. Hell, YouTube's free. <laughs> I don't need it that bad. But I'm old, you know. I I I don't have a peer group I'm trying to keep up with. It's just I don't know. and and, and, and investing is exactly the same way. Yeah. So this next thing, so uh, you get into dollar-cost averaging. Dollar-cost
2: averaging. So that's something you do when sometimes it doesn't feel real good. Yep. So this was uh, – I want to touch on this fairly briefly just because it, it, it's such an important concept. Everything depends on where you – the point you are in your life. Dollar-cost averaging – the. It it it's a good way to invest. It's not the perfect way, but it is a good way. It's reducing your risk. What's the best way to do it? If you knew the very bottom and the very top. <laughs> but nobody that's does. Right. It, it, it reduces. Nobody ever knows. And that's why
1: see if if your investments have earning power in good markets and down markets over time, you buy high, you buy low. Yep. You know, we've got holdings that we've done that. We've added to them all. Along. Absolutely. They pay good dividends in up markets and down markets.
2: That's right. This this example, they look um, j- looking at uh, from January of 2022 through July of 2023. So during that time, point to point, the S&P 500 was down 1.2%. Interesting side note, I didn't realize this. 2022 was the seventh worst calendar year return for the S&P 500 since 1928. Knew it was wow. bad, but I wow. didn't know it was the seventh. But and it was point, the
3: second time, I think, since uh, since that same time period where both stocks and bonds went down. That rarely yeah, happens. Yeah. And, and bonds were down 10% or the main bond benchmark was down 10% last year. So you, you really struggled to find any place where you made money last year.
2: But for the example of dollar cost averaging, uh, they say somebody – Uh, starts doing $500 a month uh, in January of 2022, and they do that through July of 2023. Um, So total contributions, $9,000. Their internal rate of return on the money from point A to point B, dollar cost averaging right at 13%. The market was only up 1.2% from point A to point B, but because of the dollar cost averaging was up 13%. Because you're buying stuff at the very bottom, buying stuff when it was still down, but it was coming back up. So it depends on the starting point and the ending point. You but the principle of dollar cost averaging, these this is for this applies for people that are working. Uh, that you have the income, uh, you have, you know, money coming in that you're getting getting invested to work for you. Now The flip side of that, and this is the area that we focus most on, is you're not dollar cost averaging. You're taking monthly distributions. During that same time period, it would have been the opposite effect. Because if you're in that scenario and you have to liquidate holdings, because the idea of dollar cost averaging, when the market's down, you're putting the same dollar amount in, you're able to buy more shares of the same security. That's the principle of it. If you're taking money out. You're living on this and you have to liquidate those shares. You have less shares and you're selling when things are going down. You have fewer shares when the market starts to go back up. So it's the reverse of dollar cost averaging. That's the crux of the problem that we're trying to, that we daily are looking at. Sequence of return risk, we've talked about it. One of the ways to mitigate part of that is through dividends. The dividend payments, that's much more consistent. Um, You're talking about companies that we own in the portfolio. The share prices have fluctuated. There are periods when they're down, periods when they're up. But those companies, the dividends have been very consistent. Um, So dollar cost averaging, the principle is great. It's a great way to do it while you're accumulating. But just know that when your situation changes and you start taking distributions, the same benefits on the dollar cost averaging, they start working against you. Um, That's why you want to have someone to interpret what... I I don't want to say... Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying somebody to tell you what you need. No, that's not what I'm saying. Somebody that specializes in this part of investing, this part of a person's life, where they are in life, because the dynamics are different. The rules are slightly different. Um, Monte Carlo uh, uh, simulations, all that is, a lot of people have heard of it. What a Monte Carlo simulation is, is where you run a simulation that says, okay, you lived X number of years and you're drawing out this, you have this much assets. Did you outlive your money or not? A lot of people out there are running Monte Carlo simulations say, okay, you do this and you have a 75% chance of success, or you have a 90% chance of success, not outliving your money. Be careful of that. Just like
3: on the surface it sounds it sounds like okay that that's really positive but you're saying that there you can't just take it at
2: face value you've got to you've got to understand it that's right J- just like the dollar cost averaging dollar cost averaging is something that is true that works but it might not be it might not work in your situation in your life a monte carlo simulation all that is is failure versus success what it doesn't me- measure is what, what they call the magnitude of failure. So, give you two examples. So, you could have a situation where a fifty percent chance of success on a Monte Carlo is actually not bad. So, here's here's situation one. You have a, a couple and their monthly expenses run six thousand dollars, but they so they and they have an investment account but they have a pension and Social Security that's coming in, $5,500 a month. So that investment account is only accounting for $500 of their monthly expenses. So if that investment account totally went away, horrible scenario, totally went away, that impacts their monthly cash flow by about 9% versus somebody who... We'll say they—they're not—they don't have social security. They don't have a pension, um, and they have an investment account. A hundred percent of that's funding their income. If that goes away, it's a hundred percent loss. Magnitude of uh, failure. What is that fifty percent success or fifty percent failure or seventy-five percent success? what's that actually even talking about? So this is why having somebody interpret the numbers in the context of your life. thats why it's so important because the withdrawal rate on a portfolio. So let's say it's, it's couple a that we talked about where the investments actually are only generating $500, you know, or only this, need to generate or only $500. Need to generate the $500. The They're going to have certain goals. It might be they want to do certain things in life, they want to leave a particular legacy to somebody, uh, or beneficiaries, a charity, whatever it may be. If they do the Monte Carlo and they're looking for a 95 percent chance of success, when you get to the end of, the, of, of life, that 200,000, it might be 600,000 dollars. It's possible. Because of the low spending. That's not a bad scenario, but did it accomplish their goals? What was their quality of life like? You know, basically they underspent what they could have spent to do that. So it's that fine, but if they're looking to leave us a, a legacy, maybe it fits perfect. Um so the the whole thing Be careful of worrying about a
1: legacy. You need to take care of yourself. Yep. Amen. I mean the bottom line. You know, I, I think it's great to leave something to your kids, but, you know, people do really stupid things, and then their kids don't appreciate it. They give them all this stuff. They forego all these things, yep. and the kids, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm all for inheritances. I got one, and I did really stupid things. No. no, I started this company. <laughs> God, I should have had my head examined. No. <laughs> Seriously, the, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that. But what I will tell you is I see people that forego the fruits of their own labors, having done things that they, they sacrifice too much. Mm -hmm. You can also sacrifice too little. There's a fine line, bro. That's right. And, you know, and you've seen it. You know, you've seen it. Because you've yeah. been around, you have too. I mean, it's people do things that just don't make a hell of a lot of sense. Sometimes they think they're making sense, but they're not.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you know, they don't always ask my opinion.
3: Well, and they in the decisions <laughs> but, they they haven't vetted them like they should. No, they're not it, thinking about it from the big picture.
1: Yeah, I know. It's crazy.
2: But, but everybody's different um, and they have particular goals um, and, you know, wh- whatever that may be. Um, our job is to invest the money and guide them along while they're trying to accomplish those goals. If that's, you know, high income for them to have a certain quality of life, well, pros and cons to that. If it's to have a certain legacy, how do you get there? Certain, you know, pros and cons to that. It, it, it's to have put the guardrails in place where you're not going to hit it exactly, because this is the biggest, biggest thing with any kind of a plan. You know, a Monte Carlo analysis. If if they run that one time for you at 60 years old, and like here you go, it's useless. Yeah, you, absolutely. And you're counting on that to guide you for the next 30 years it's with absolutely no adjustments. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can have small adjustments to the investments, withdrawals, all these different, we talked about before, the levers that you can pull. You can have small adjustments that have massive effects long-term on the portfolio. So a Monte Carlo analysis is not It's useless in saying, here's what it's going to be. We're looking out 30 years. Here you go. It has to be done and used properly. It's like any of these tools out there. It's a tool that can give good insight, but it has to be used properly, and it has to be used in the context of your life. Um, And so you you want someone that's going to guide you, that's going to, you know, Show you the pitfalls, pros and cons, but ultimately have your best interests at heart. Someone
3: that understands your situation, that's taking the time to learn it, and they know what your values are, and they can help you reach your primary goals. uh, And know when adjustments need to be made and how to get you there.
0: All right, I guess I'm going to wrap it up right now. I was waiting for Tom to give us some party words of wisdom, but... Dupree Financial Group is here to guide you for the stage of life you're in. We'd love to take a look at your portfolio and see if you're positioned for the right stage of where you are. Call us, 859 233 You can also go to our website, dupreefinancial.com, and schedule an appointment directly on our homepage. We appreciate you listening to the Financial Hour. And we will talk to you next week. Hey, Tom, take us out. What's today? It's football time in the bluegrass.
1: No, they're playing in Nashville.
0: (laughs) Football time in Nashville. (laughs) Kentucky's playing. Go Cats.